Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. I would like you to both talk about what are the conditions that help you be creative? What I realized is that if the brief leaves one person in tears, we're going to kick ass on this uh, <laughs> on, on concepting and, and creation. And, and, and I think lately with this project and other projects we've been working on, with that brief, you know, we, we emotionally connect to it. And we, we want to make sure that we give this work the proper respect and care that it deserves and tell that story the right way. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Creative. It's what all individuals, teams, and companies strive to be. But in all aspects of business, there are certain rules to follow or reputations to uphold. So how do you maximize creativity within these boundaries? Our mini-series, Creative Collisions, explores just that. We'll dive into how companies, brands, and leaders handle those push-pull moments, why it's so important to have those conversations, and what lessons were learned along the way. My guests today on this special Creative Collisions episode are Chitty Bear E.B. and Shamel Washington, two leaders of an initiative called Illustrate Change. Chitabiri, or Chitty, is a Nigerian medical illustrator and a medical student. He hopes one day to be a doctor in women's health. Chitty is famous for creating the Black Fetus medical illustration, which went crazy viral around the world. It sparked a groundswell about representation in medical imagery. Less than 5% of medical imagery today shows dark skin. Joining Chitty is Shamel Washington, or Mel, an associate creative director at Deloitte Digital, focusing on life sciences and healthcare. Mel is a lead creative director on the Illustrate Change initiative, which we will discuss on this show. Get ready for an emotional discussion. Get ready for one of my best shows I've ever recorded. Get ready to listen to these two amazing, creative human beings. This is recorded at the Can Lion International Festival of Creativity. Here we go. Welcome, Chitty and Mel, to this very special episode of the CMO Podcast, the most special I think we have done. So I want you to start with a very basic question. How did you two guys meet? Mel, I want to start with that. Chitty, he released sometime last year, he released this image of this black fetus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw it on LinkedIn. It been passed around, like, my agency, Deloitte Digital. And, you know, everybody's like, we got to do something with this. This guy's amazing. This image is going super viral. The guy, he's crushing it. Everybody loves it. The, the feedback is getting, it was amazing. So he's like, can we just reach out with this guy? First of all, just have it, just say hi to him. <laughs> just, first and foremost, just say hi. And then in other words, how can we help you amplify your message, you know, using, you know, our platform and create something that's not just one image, but something that that's something that's, you know, a library of images that can kind of live on and almost change the idea on, you know, this black representation in the medical field. Wow. So you're sitting in what city when you see that? This is right after I moved to Atlanta. So you're in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta. You see it online, online LinkedIn. Yes. 
You reach out, and you're sitting where? Nigeria. Nigeria. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and far from so how did you respond to that? Yeah, so um, I have a, my management team, and we responded with so much, you know, interest because it came from Deloitte. We're like, Deloitte? Deloitte? Okay. That Deloitte? This is, this is yeah. big stuff, you know, and we're excited, and we just responded and started working on it. Yeah. And here you are in Cannes doing a podcast, and you're on the main stage yesterday. Got a great reception. Exactly. That's so fantastic. So, listen, what I want to do is you're both incredible people, so I want you to introduce yourself to our audience through a little bit of a lightning round, okay? And the first question is hometown and where you live now. Mel. New Yorker through and through. Grew up in Harlem. Spent my last 10 years in the Bronx, and I moved to uh, Georgia, Powder Springs, Georgia, a year ago. Okay, we could do an episode on that, but we won't. (laughs) (laughs) Chitty, how about yourself? So, hometown is Nigeria. I've basically been in Nigeria my life in Aquabum State. And but I moved to Zambia this year for medical school, so I'm currently living in Zambia right now. First year of medical school. Second year medical. Second school. year. Yes. Okay. How's it going? Very good. We have an exams in two weeks time. So. Oh. <laughs> getting any studying? Oh, any studying done here in Cannes? It's difficult to study, but a uh, good thing I had done so much of my much of my homework, so I just have to revise and you know, yeah, make well, it work. Well, well, good luck to you on the exams. Now I want you to just speak briefly about who or what inspired your current career direction, mm. right? You're in yes. Deloitte Digital, in design. Obviously, you're in the medical field. So pretty much I was actually, you know, art school, C student throughout my education history. So, you know, my mom's like, dude, you can draw really well. Let's just make that your thing. Get, get great at that. And let's, you know, let's see where it takes you. So from there, I went to art and uh, design high school, ended up becoming a graffiti artist, so I got in trouble a couple of times because of that. Good trouble. It's good, good trouble. trouble. <laughs> trouble. My mom's like, you know, if you're going to do this art thing, let's try, let's try to find it, you know, a way to do it the right way. So from there, I went to art school. My goal at first was to work for Vibe magazine. Yeah. Dude, oh, I was, yeah. you know, I can remember the, the first Nas spread I saw, the design. I'm like, I want to work for those guys. Got there, hated it. I interned at Vibe. I ended up becoming the coffee guy. I was like, okay, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then from there, you know, I just kind of just took on little, you know, art design jobs. And to a couple of buddies from college, you know, we just kind of rented a warehouse space in Brooklyn, gutted it out, and just made that like our little makeshift studio. And then, you know, we just started taking on clients. Uh, you know, we, you know, grabbed clients from like Sean John, Ciroc. I, I don't even know how we, they even like noticed us with this warehouse. But, you know, we'd be... Maybe for like two years, we just kind of started doing our thing with them. Then it spread to the Department of Education. And then we started doing like a couple of museums in New York City, just designing stuff. 2008 hit, you know, the economy, you know, that that issue I lost. You know, clients like, dude, we got no money and we don't want to pay you. Need a job. Baby was on the way. My buddy of mine's, you know, had a, a gig in the production office at, a, at an ad agency. He got me in there. And that pretty much began the run of my advertising career. It's a beautiful story. Thank you. You have a smart mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Southern woman, she's super blunt and just, just told me what it was. <laughs> Fantastic. Jenny, how about yourself? So for me, passion for medicine started way um, when I was quite very younger. But uh, when I lost my mom to ovarian cancer, and that was on the 25th December, so I said I was going to be a doctor no matter what. So that, that moment was that defining moment for me. But regarding illustrations, that was during the lockdown where I, I didn't have money. I lost my job, basically. So I reached out to this um, group on Facebook, AFAN. Then I was a graphic designer. So I said I wanted to work for them, and they should pay me. So I had a response that there, there was no money to pay. So because I loved medicine, I quickly obliged to work pro bono for them. So while working, I met my mentor, Dr. Oryx Sydney. 
So he, he saw my artwork and said, okay, you, you have passion for medicine and for art. Why not go into medical illustrations? And I was like, okay, what, what is illustrations? You know, I, I, I never have, I heard about it before. So I made some research about it. And, but I didn't have any medical background. I was a medical student and I had little art background. So it was so much of work to do. I had to, you know, watch some tutorials on YouTube about, you know, Photoshop, the software I use for illustrations. And basically there was no tutorials on YouTube for medical illustration. So everything I learned was self-taught. Wow. And then I had a very old computer mouse. I had a very old computer and a computer mouse. So that's literally what I used to learn illustrations. And it was tough, you know, it was really tough. But I, I, one thing I learned was that I learned how what worked for me as an artist. So that was really what, you know, that's how it really all started. But last question for introduction. We're here at Cannes Festival of Creativity, right? When's a time in your life when creativity was really on fire? that you were kind of breaking the boundaries, breaking the rules. Maybe it was when you were a graffiti artist. Maybe it was the small group you were in the warehouse. Maybe it was when you just started drawing. I don't know. But when were, were you really creatively on fire? Chitty, we'll start with you. So for me, was um, starting from what I said last words, when I was using very crude equipment mm -hmm. to create illustrations, because it is very difficult to use a mouse, and Shima would agree with me, using a mouse to create amazing illustrations. I've created so much detail with a mouse. And for me, I was like, okay, how am I able to create this with just a computer mouse? Because other artists use a graphics tablet. But I realized that those moments I was able to think outside the box, I was like, okay, what can I achieve with just a computer mouse? Those moments I had those crude equipment, I was actively thinking when I wasn't drawing. So if I'm walking on the road, I'm thinking, how can I use a mouse to achieve a perfect contour creation? And then I was thinking and thinking and thinking, and I just kept having ideas on how to make it work. And so I think this moment was what really defined. And now I'm using good gadgets. I think this creativity isn't really <laughs> coming much anymore. It's a great story, though. Constraints, right? You yeah, had to really think creatively to get the output, right. the beautiful illustrations that right. you do. I love that. Mel, how about yourself? It was uh, during the year 2020. Like even before that, I was I was always a pretty good art director. You know, clients was was cool. They was happy with the work. It was good. But I noticed I was I felt like I was starting to trade a little bit in complacency. You know, what happened with 2020 and you know uprising un unrest and stuff. There was a time where I was having a conversation with my daughter because she was wondering, like you know, just because I was you know I looked a certain way, people were going to hate me, and oof, that talk broke me. And so, you know, um, my creative mentor and also, you know, a guy I had the pleasure of still working with, Aaron, we just had a conversation, just a, a super candid conversation on just how we're feeling right now. And we talked, he's like, dude, we had to do something. You know, from there, we created this book called The ABC Survival, where this book kind of teaches you, you know, especially encourages young people on you know, just kind of dealing with the mental health aspect of, you know, what's happening in society due to, you know, racism and, you know, just being comfortable with yourself and their identity and who they are. It is, it's a really amazing interactive book. It it went, you know, super viral. It did insane numbers. It won a ton of awards. And I'm like, holy hell, if I can take this craft I have, I, I think we all have a beautiful craft and a, and, a, and a beautiful opportunity to tell amazing stories. So I guess like, if I can take this craft and this platform that I'm blessed with to tell stories in the world that means something to me, I might be on to something. So since 2020, my main emphasis in my career was just, you know, having initiatives that meant, you know, something to me and, you know, really I'm part of. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. 
And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. That's a beautiful bridge into the topic that we're going to talk about today, this Illustrate Change initiative. And I want, you're both part of this. I want you to talk about, you know, how did it start? You know, you just told the story. You wanted to be part of something that really was meaningful to you. You reached out when you saw the LinkedIn. So what, how did you get from that LinkedIn exchange to here where we are now? We saw the image. It went around the office. Everybody was like, holy hell, this is amazing. Let's set up this conversation, please. This so it went around the Deloitte office. It went around the Deloitte yeah. office, yes. Wow. So from there, you know, we reached out to Chitty. Then we connected with, you know, Deloitte Digital Life Science Health Equity Team. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, you know, they supplied us with, a, you know, just a, a few of their experts and their, and their medical experts. And then, you know, we wanted to find the perfect partner to amplify, you know, our message and someone that's really committed to this initiative, too. So, you know, we found the perfect partner in Johnson & Johnson. So we had all the team players. And then, you know, the Did one... Did you reach out to Johnson & Johnson? And we they reached said, out to Johnson and & they Johnson. they said yes. They said, hell yeah, let's do this. So we had the key components, but the one thing that we, we, we told ourselves to stay true is like, we can't do this without Chide. He is the OG here. He's the originator yeah. and we got to get it straight from the source. So once he was, you know, receptive to it and he wanted to work with us, game on. Wow. Wow. So you started this, you said, we want to do something about this. It was personally very meaningful to you, obviously. Oh, absolutely. And funny that you say that because right when this image came out, I was on paternity leave. So I'm sitting here with my wife looking at medical charts and there was no black images. And then we're in Atlanta. So that is the highest black demographic, especially in our, you know, in our county. But there's no, I don't see myself on that wall. I don't see my wife nor my baby on that wall. So I was like, but that was just even more fuel to kind of get this going. So I actually started working through this process on paternity leave. But for this, this, this project right here, I made myself available to, you know, to help see this one through. So, Chitty, talk about that. You know, when you reached out, you started to get involved with Deloitte and Johnson & Johnson. You know, how, what's your perspective on this? I mean, how does it make you feel when this started to become a real thing? You know, like a bona fide initiative of two of the biggest organizations in the world. Well, I would say a moment I was very grateful for, you know, to start with. Coming from a country like Nigeria, basically, where there's... You know, I had this, this obscure background where, you know, I didn't have access to, you know, hearing the name Deloitte reaching out to you, Johnson & Johnson reaching out to you was so much to me personally. And I know at that point, my image had gone viral. I had been on CNN, BBC, but I, ha- I haven't had a big major collaboration before. And this was my big major collaboration. And and for me, I was thinking, could, could this be a one-time thing? You know, we just create images for them and that's the end. But I realized that it was more of um, a partnership thing that we, we're going to build something that is big and as, as big as Illustrate Change. For me and my team, we were so excited. We had a series of calls since last year or so. We've been having a series of Zoom meetings and everything. And But seeing it coming to fruition right now is something I'm very grateful for. And also being part of something big like this is is what... It's, it's really humbling and I can't wait to see where it goes from here because I, I believe it's going to be so massive than this and um, it's, it's really been a very rewarding journey. It's going to be one of the high points in both of your careers. There's no doubt about it. And you know, I've, I'm in, I've been in my career a lot longer than both of you and you remember these special, special high points and this is going to be one. Great. I'm so cherish it. I know you are. All right. But can you tell a little bit about you're in the marketing business, the ad business, communication business, you're in the medical business, illustration. Why did this 
go so viral? What was it about it that made it so viral? When, when I created this image, I created it from a, from a moment in my life where I was going through a lot. I was denied a visa to go to Ukraine when I was ordered to go to medical school. And then, because I'm a firm believer, I trust God for everything. And then I was praying to God to have a miracle. I was trusting God to help me do, you know, to raise money for my for my education. And I started to go for a campaign. So for months, it wasn't, it wasn't nobody was donating money for me. And then I said, okay, after I came from Ukraine, after I came from the embassy, for like two days after I created the image, I was, I was a bit in between what to create. So I, I was in between creating a full anatomy illustration or the particular um, black feet illustration. But I said, okay, I was going to create the black feet. And I created it and I just said, God, okay, God, just got to help me with this and to trust God and everything. So I, I woke up one morning and everything was just a hit. I still didn't understand what it actually meant in depth in the medical field, right? I, di- I didn't know that it happened at a time where there was so much of you know, racism towards black maternal, you know, healthcare. And people started sharing their personal experiences. And because it was literally everywhere, people started sharing their stories and how they were ill-treated because they were black pregnant women and all of that. Then I, I said, this this is just beyond an artwork. This is this is a message to people out there. And so it it, it just started going viral and it started and I was I was like, wow. And in my mind, I was thinking, do people do people get viral or people can get famous for creating illustrations? Because for me, it was just an artwork that was black-centered representing people. And there was no aim to be famous. It was just me being passionate about my work and putting it out there. And God just did it. And I mean, the rest is history, basically. What do you think, Mel? What do you think is, if you were to share the lessons from this mm-hmm. about something that goes viral, gets a lot of attention, is about something very positive? I think, there's there's a human truth behind it, and I think it, it resonated with so many people, especially in the melanated community. You know, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a stat guy, I'm, I'm an art nerd. But once that, when researching this project that stuck, stuck out to me is that less than 5% of medical illustrations are, you know, are represent melanated skin. Another thing is that your image came off the heels of like, you know, especially during cans, there was a big topic about black tolerance rates, especially dealing with, you know, women giving, giving birth and, and, and stuff like that. And just the, uh, the mixed diagnosis and the lack of care. So it, it was really the perfect storm of what's, you know, the conversation that has been happening. And then this image, it, it kind of came as a solution. And, you know, there's been a lot of talks, but it wasn't many solutions out there. So this felt like a solution. It felt like something that, could, you know, we want to pick up on and more people want to be a part of it. And I think that was the reason why it went viral. It's also mother and child, right? There's something. Yes. yes. It's a beautiful illustration, too. It's an amazing illustration. You're very talented. No, thank you. Thank you. And just to add to that, and, you know, it, it also came at a point where people said things like, for 50 years in the healthcare, I have never seen an image of such. Yes. Right. And it, it it wasn't a common illustration that people have ever seen. And also people also had the experiences where, as EL said, statistically, black men are, are likely to die from birth complications than white women. And it was also a point where I think the shortly after George Floyd's, you know, George Floyd's incident and, you know, about, you know, not treating black people fairly and all of that. So mm-hmm. people felt like this was not just a medical, but it was, it was like a voice mm-hmm. to them. And you know what, what happened after them was that people started sharing their personal stories yes. shortly after mm-hmm. the image went viral because people didn't have the courage to come out and say, oh, I was ill-treated by, by my physician. But now the image gave them more, more you know, the courage to speak up and what really happened. So I think that you know, people sharing their story, as Ella said, stories are more powerful than data. So people sharing their experiences was just another heat of conversation. And I think that's the reason why it also blew up. 
it's now an initiative, right? Oh, Deloitte's yes. behind it. J&J's behind it. You're involved. What are your hopes for this initiative if we look out a year, two, five even? Absolutely. At, uh, you know, with Deloitte Digital and J&J, our hope is to have more representation in its field. You know, we, uh, you know, right now, if you go to the um, Illustrate Change website, you know, you can download for free, public library, open source, 25 images done, amazing images done by Chidator Berry. The goal is not only to have, ideally have more images from you, but other, you know, artists, melanated artists and, you know, melanated representation on this website. So we want this to be evergreen, we want this to expand. And ideally, we want to change the lack of medical representation for melanated skin. And also to that, we're also looking towards, you know, um, encouraging more artists because, you know, as Elia said, one image is not enough. Right. Right. We need more people who are constantly willing to contribute. And also, we're also seeing how to move this from just being a site but into textbooks because textbooks are yep. greatest resources medical students use and we want to see how we can transform these images from just being on the site to textbooks and I believe that's like a long a longer term impact in that so you're from Deloitte right you're all about measurement and results and all that stuff <laughs> yeah. so so what do you think the KPIs the key performance indicators would be that this is successful would it be the textbooks change that our, that our base of illustrations becomes representative of the world? Absolutely. I think, yes, when, when this becomes, you know, this, we want these, you know, the illustrations to be in textbooks. But also we want, you know, more black artists to just kind of get in the field of medical illustration. Yeah. Because ultimately, you know, the, the more medical illustrations out there, the more data out there, the more education that we have, and then the better care for the melanin in the community. Yeah. So I think that would be an ultimate KPI. Better care for the community. Yes. Absolutely. That, that's a breakthrough. Yes. In my own perspective, I think the KPI would be that we, you know, we would visibly see a difference. Right? For example, I, I strongly believe that in the nearest future, 20 years from now, the data that proves that less than 5% of image would be an increase in data. Mm -hmm. right? It wouldn't be less than 5%, it would be about like 50% now, right? Because this has been a workforce. And we launched yesterday, I would say the traction on social media is massive. And we've had over... 50,000 impressions, people already. Are, are retweeting already, people are retweeting, people are sharing, people are already down. So it is, it is already going there. So what can our listeners do? Everyone who's listening to this right now on the CMO podcast, what can they do to help and get involved? You know, the first thing I would say is go to the website, illustratechange.com, download the images, spread the message. You know, let's let this become a game. If you know anybody who's an illustrator, Speak to them to try to let's get more illustrators in, you know, involved. You know, we there's uh, Johnson Johnson Deloitte have a big, you know, initiative with funding that we want a hundred more, you know, illustrators that that you know specialize in melanated skin. So you know, if you know anybody that's an illustrator, let's get them out there. Let's let's get more people involved. Let's just make this thing. It does not even make it just a thing. Let's make this a global standard. All right, friend. For me, I think that. One way or the other, it all affects everybody, and it's a job for everybody to do, not just illustrators, but for those who have TV stations, for those who have websites, who can, for those who have big podcasts like this, I would say, yes. talk about it, reshare it. And also, it's also a measure of, you know, educate people, because sometimes people think, because I'm not an artist, then I don't have a role to play, right? But you can educate your neighbor, you can talk about it in school, amongst, it, it can be including your faculty, where you t teach people about lack of representation, because I think that's basically the problem. People don't talk about it, and that's why people don't see it. So people now educate people, so that's, that's what I feel, and I believe that our roles for those listening should be that we need to start educating people about this, yes. and also resharing this to our closest contacts, and see how this grows. 
Chitty, you're in your second year of medical school. Right. Are you still illustrating? Are you working? I am illustrating. I'm yeah. working. You're yeah. working illustrating as well as studying and preparing to be. What's your goal in, in the medical field? Well, um, I would say, um, first of all, my goal was to be a pediatric neurosurgeon, mm -hmm. right? But I'm, I'm, I'm still unraveling that because I realized that unconsciously my illustrations are tilled to women healthcare. I don't know why that happens, right? Because I know that when I was younger, we read a lot of Ben Carson's book and we wanted yeah. to be a neurosurgeon because he inspired us. But I realized that more on deep down inside of me, right? I realized my art talks are unconsciously going towards women healthcare. So I'm looking to, I'm, I'm still yet to discover that, but if I'm going to change, it's going to be into the gynecology and, and, and obstetric area of medicine. Fantastic, fantastic. So you want to be a practicing doctor with illustration? Yes, a practicing doctor. As a kind of a side hustle. The illustration, you'll keep doing it? It's not going to be a side hustle. No. Okay, all right, okay. Main hustle. <laughs> main hustle. Main hustle, okay. Yeah, because Frank Nata, which is the father of um, illustration, was a, a, a physician and illustrator, right? So it's possible to combine two and one doesn't have to suffer. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thought. Hey, I want to kind of shift our conversation into the larger creativity space because we're here in Cannes, which is a festival of creativity. And Chitty was on stage. That's a big stage. It's an intimidating stage, <laughs> right? It's a tough audience too. If they don't like something, they boo yeah. and they hiss. So tell me about the experience of being on the big stage in front of all these creative people here at Cannes. Well, first of all, it was, it was really amazing. Like just beyond my imagination because I literally see people pulling out their phones, taking pictures and making videos. I was like, okay, I'm making a good impression. But at first when I, because I've given a TED talk before and I think that was a good preparation for this. When I went on stage, I was a bit tense, you know, but I just did an icebreaker and I just, I, I, I said to them that in public speaking, we are taught that if you are tense, you have to look into someone's eye that you are very interested in. And I said, I'm interested in everybody. So they all laughed and I was like, okay, I'm good. So, and from there I just started speaking and it was amazing to see the reaction of people reacting to everything. It was fantastic. You got a great reception. Very great reception. And your main message to them at the end of the speech was? Was that we all have to join, the, we have to download the, the, the images, we have to join the work first. Now you were on, Mel, the health and wellness jury this year. Do I understand that right? Yes, yes. I was on the uh, Health and Wellness Shortlist Jury, yes. Wow. I, yes. Okay, so tell us about that. You, you saw a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah, you had to judge it. Yes. You had to work with the team on judging it. So how was that experience? Was it tough, fun? It was fun. The one thing I do appreciate about the Can Jury is that each piece, you know, that's, that's submitted, especially the ones that, that do well in this festival, has been long debated it's been long debates about it. We dissect everything and we make sure that it's, you know, it's in the right category. It's hit where it needs to be hit. And, you know, it's quality, great work. What what were some of the themes that you, when you look at this work, what, what, did you feel it was, there was great insights behind it or beautifully crafted or there was a lot of work in it? Are there any themes that you could draw from everything you looked at on the health and wellness jury? For the most part, you know, I, I think a lot of it, the global reach and the global response to women's health has been a big topic on this. So, you know, there was a lot of work submitted from, you know, Burma. There was places in, in West Africa and South Africa. And even in South America, we see this lack of, I, I would say, agency when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, dealing with women and, and their health needs from something as simple as, you know, just learning about tampons and being able to go to school. And it's so crazy because, you know, me living in the States, 
I always thought that was a subtle issue. Like, yeah, you know, they they can go to school whenever. Like, it's it's not a big deal. But in other countries, they're still, you know, deliberating. And, and women do not have the right to even go and you know go to school and get their education because of things that's happened to them naturally. PNG's been working on that for many years. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a fabulous initiative through their healthcare, their women's health brand. Always, yeah. Okay, I want to talk a little bit more about creativity before we end this great discussion. We talked about when you were creatively on fire. I would like you to both talk about what are the conditions that help you be creative? Is it an, is it an environment, a challenge, personal commitment? What is it? What are the conditions when you really feel like, ah, you know, I can really be myself and do great work? What I realize is that if the brief leaves one person in tears, we're going to kick ass on this uh, <laughs> on, on concepting and, and creation. And, and, and I think lately with this project and other projects we've been working on, with that brief, you know, we, we emotionally connect to it. And we, we want to make sure that we give this work the proper respect and care that it deserves and tell that story the right way. Adversity basically, you know, builds that, you know, creativity in you. And because for me, that's what really happens. And I think for everybody who has also, who have also created some sort of innovation, you know, it's because they wanted something to work, but they didn't know how to make it work. And and at that point, it, it, it makes you think outside the box, what can I do differently to make this work? You know, and this happened in my images. Like sometime when I was when I was using my very creative images to create illustrations, sometimes I would I would use a week to create an, a particular illustration. And on the last day of exporting the image, my system would crash. Everything just crashes. And it kept happening every week and every week. So I had to think, okay, what's, what's the way out of this? Then I had this, I had a friend of mine who had a laptop, a very good one. So I would copy the file and export it in his laptop. You know, as, as, as simple as that, you know, that was my creative process of not repeating an illustration over and over again. So I do believe that, you know, when some, sometimes a difficult moment in your life, you know, just gives you that ability to be very creative about the thing. And, and I think that's the sign of a great creative who could problem solve on the fly like dude that's super unexpected you had to figure out and and, and call that that pivot and, and find a solution right on the spot you got to call out audible and make it happen so i think that's just something that's you're just born with man just that creative um, problem solving i think that's the reason why your career has taken off in this fashion and, and you're doing such wonderful things you do a beautiful job with barriers right really yeah. That can get a lot of people down. That doesn't get they you do. down. Right. Absolutely. And that's creativity, right? Yeah, definitely. Now, for the senior leaders out there listening to this who run big organizations, what can they do to pull, to elicit more creativity, to inspire more creativity from their teams? You said a great brief. Mm -hmm. That's emotional. What else could senior leaders who have a big organization do to bring out more creativity from their people? I would say... You know, you got to you gotta do the groundwork. You got to go where the people are. You got to listen to who's out there. Listen to your audience. Listen to your demographic. I think a lot of the uh, tastemakers now aren't the old guards anymore. It's the kids on TikTok. Those are the creatives. And I think what Deloitte Digital done really well is kind of seeing what's happening with, with Chile. And we being on the ground and we seen his image. We was like, all right, this is what's happening. This is something that's needed. And had that vision, that foresight to determine like, no, we're going to be bold with this and we're going to be unapologetic and we're going to take this, give the respect you deserve, but make sure that he get to tell the story the way that's authentic to him and we're just going to go along for the ride. 
Exactly. And I, I do also think that, you know, they have great roles to play because we have so many creatives, but they don't have the assets, you know, for growth. Because sometimes growth can be very difficult if you're in an environment that is not supportive of growth. And uh, because we have, for example, in Africa, there are so many creatives who are innovating things, who are building things, but the environment is not supportive of their growth process. So I believe that big organizations are able to give young people the opportunity to show off what they have. And I believe not just that, but helping them to grow by, you know, providing the resources, providing the mentorship. Because for me, I'm a product of good mentorship. And because, you know, people, some people really want to learn and grow, but they don't have the opportunity to sit on the shoulders of, shoot on, on shoulder people who are doing amazing jobs. So I think that great um, organizations can, can provide good mentorship, can provide avenue for, you know, for growth, you know, great growth support. And I think that's just a great way to start off. And I was at a, uh, a talk yesterday with my, my guy, Kenny Go. He's a rock star. At this talk, it was somebody from, from Africa. And, and he does like, you know, like sound, like, you know, s- sound branding, sound, audio branding, audio advertising. And the, and the one thing that, that, that resonated with me is that it's so amazing how we're starting to acknowledge and appreciate the creativity that comes out of Africa. I think that's been such an overlooked market for so long. And not until recently, um, you know, we start really paying, the global community start really paying attention. And y'all are crushing, like, you know, one site was that hip-hop is actually no longer the number one music genre. It's, you know, it's been replaced by Afro beats and surprise, and R&B. So it goes to show that, you know, a lot of the, the talent that's, that's controlling the, the pulse in this industry and the taste of the industry is coming out of places like Africa and India. You know, I think it's it's important that we pay attention to them and we, you know, help them and listen to them and understand the story and, and realize that, you know, they're not just doing an African version of an ad that's done, you know, from the West. No, let them do it their way. They understand their base, they understand their audience, and they understand the trends and how to create and, and, and set new ones. So... Yes, we, we definitely appreciate I, I I notice and I appreciate the, the, the creativity and the work that's coming out of Africa. This festival's way better because this festival's way more diverse. Absolutely. When I first came twenty years ago. Yes. It was all people who look like me. Yes. And were older than me. Okay. This festival is so much better now and there's so much more creativity. Okay. Last two questions. Most inspiring person in your life? In my life. My wife is gonna kill me. <laughs> But I would say, I would have to say my mom. And and the reason is, was she the one who, you know, got made me, you know, got me into art and made sure that this is something that if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be great at. But, you know, she's, you know, Southern woman, Geechee, family from, you know, the coast of South Carolina. And the one thing that I do appreciate about that part of my family is that they're very honest, they're very blunt. And, you know, they pretty much like you work with what you have until you get more. And she gave me that work for everything. She made sure it's like, if you, you know, if, if this is something, if this is your calling, this is what you're good at. She didn't know, she still don't know what I do exactly, but she just supported. <laughs> so every yeah. time I see it, she's like, oh, my baby just makes, he makes drawings. He, he, <laughs> he does little drawings and stuff. But she's like, I'm just glad he's great at it. So I think, you know, and, and because of her, her straight talk and her keeping me on a straight and narrow, and, you know, I'm able to have the career, I, you know, I, I have now. It's a great story. Chitty. For me, I, I would say definitely my late mother. You know, she 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 raised the man out of me, and um, she was someone that was very sacrificial. She would, she didn't have good education, but she ensured that 
children definitely should have good education. And I'm sad that she's not here anymore to see all of this glory and everything. But I really say she she really inspires me because she was so hardworking. She was so committed to a cause. And there were times she would go extra mile to, to, to borrow money just to ensure that the kids are all in school. And she really inspired me. And that's why most everything I do is always to ensure that, you know, I'm making her priority with as much as she's not here. And that's why in all my presentation, I always use that my picture that I took with her the last time oh. because she inspires me to be to be everything I am today. And I, I, I'm really, really grateful for that. Uh, I always ask my guests what the first brand they remember as a young person making an impact on them. So what brand do you first remember saying, wow, this is meaningful to me? Chitty? No, it's, it's really hard. Uh, we grew up in a very small community. Right, we didn't have access to so many equipment and all of that. So, but all I could tell that we just we're just very natural people, always you know playing around sand and trying hands on different things. But yeah, I can't really tell more. But I I do know that we're always seeing local television, maybe once in a while playing. It's it's just been a random thing. I I don't really know any brand yeah. that I really you know. Yeah, I get it. Mel, how about yourself? I would say the cross pollination branding between Michael Jordan and Spike Lee, the Spizikes. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, once, not only just the shoes, just that campaign mm -hmm. and the coolness of it changed my life. I'm like, you know, this dude from Brooklyn and he's, it, it just, it made me look at just the, the Nike brand in a, in, a, in a totally different light. I'm like, that, I'm pretty sure Nike is somewhere in Brooklyn. Just the fact that they, they spoke to, you know, me authentically, you know, authentically. I can't afford the sneakers, but I just appreciate having just the posters and watching the commercials. So I think that brand is, I, I would say, always resonated with, me, resonated with me the most. Guys, thank you for this. This has been thank a you. gift, this thank show. Thank you. Uh, we th I told you when we started the show, before we went, went live, that this would be the best podcast of the year, the best podcast of Cannes. Don't put and, that pressure and, on and us. It is, <laughs> and it has been. And you're, and you're done. And it has been. This is a real gift. Thank Good you luck so with the initiative. I hope all of our listeners get online, take a look, and see what they can do. And I hope the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, rises up. It sounds like they are. And, and, and cheers to Deloitte and to – kudos to Deloitte and to J&J for, for what they're doing to help you with this passion project that will make a huge difference. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having, having us here. And I'm just, I'm just a fan – being able to sit next to the people that I, you know, I'm a fan of. Um, I'm a kid in the candy store. I'm totally going to pitch myself and maybe jump in the water after this. This yeah. is nuts. <laughs> that sounds good. It's hot here today. So that sea looks very nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm very grateful. And um, this is my first time on a yacht, you know, and having a podcast <laughs> on a yacht, it, it's fantastic. I'm going to... Share it on my social media that I want to add, you know. But, <laughs> but I'll take some pictures. Definitely, I should take a picture. And I'm super excited, you know. Thank you so much for, for having me personally. I'm, I'm grateful. That was my conversation with Chitty and Mel. Three takeaways from this one for your business brand and life. The first one, if you're a client out there or a brand, the power of a brief that brings emotion to the forefront, that brings a tear to the eye. Mel talked about he does his best work when the brief gets him, chokes him up, makes him feel like he really wants to jump in. Second takeaway, it's amazing what can happen when we have our ears and eyes open to what's going on in the world. Mel saw the medical illustration on LinkedIn, reached out to Chitty, and here we now have a major initiative with Johnson & Johnson and Deloitte involved that can make major impact in the world. This happened because Mel 
was listening and watching and reading and acted on something he cared about. Last takeaway, this was so obvious in this recording, work on things that are meaningful to you. When you're working on things on a brand or in your personal life that have deep meaning, deep relevance, an emotional kind of tie to you, you do amazing work. So seek that out in your work, in your life, in your career. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.